Welcome to the SB Salvatore, my beautiful man, handsome, look at me in the eyes, depths far greater than the depths of the ocean. <laughs> man, I'm feeling really kind of emotional right now. <laughs> You're like a mate of mine, but we haven't we haven't been in touch in a while. No, like, it feels like it's been a couple of years, man. Yeah, but yeah. maybe maybe slightly less. I mean, lots of things have happened. Lots so. of things have happened. Yeah, yeah. So, this is about exploring your creative process, your life, and kind of, I suppose, f- first up, I reckon, diving into what your greatest challenge has been over the years, creatively pushing the limits of like business in Melbourne and and creatively keeping it fresh and relevant like what what is what is like a pinpointed hurdle that you found was the hardest to jump nothing like a simple question to start with jess um <laughs> look you know remaining relevant is difficult and uh i guess i've carved out a space for myself now where i'm not at all operational so i have plenty of time and opportunity to um, gestate ideas and it's a nice space to be in i think the hurdle when you're operational and in the business and trying to make it all work and focused on the minutiae that you need to in order to succeed um, it does exhaust you and if you're depleted uh, emotionally you're probably depleted of the ability to be very very creative so um it's taken a long time to learn that mr khan but i've got there and so now i'm in a nice spot where i can be creative and do nice work but throughout the process you know sometimes decisions were made and that weren't necessarily in the right um creative paradigm but they were made because they were necessary right and so you need you need to create space to be creative. Yes, no, I agree. I, I find the best ideas come in silence, almost like if I have ten thoughts and then I stop thinking and just be still, a great thought comes. That's yeah, what I personally correct. find. Yeah. So, it's, it's, what, what's what, what environment do you create to gestate ideas within Saint Ali and Sensory Lab? So, um, you know, I kind of do that in two ways. I don't have a lot of alone time because, as you know, I've got a million kids and, you know, millions of people that depend on me, be them employees or kids. But um, so I have to be on my own. So I make sure that I have alone time on my own. Um, but also I do that. I tend to kind of fuck off and travel every eight weeks, whether I need to or don't. Every two to. months. Yeah, man. Even sometimes even shorter periods. And they could be like five-day trips or two-week trips or longer. But those times, the transit times are really valuable to me too because lots of dumb things happen during transit times that you can meditate yourself out of. And, and then sort of the sensory – um, pickups along the way that uh, either happen on a subconscious or conscious level. So I'm either making notes as I travel or they're just, you know, forming subconscious thoughts and then manifest later on. They're magical for me. And I tend to find myself saying, oh, that's, we should do this or that. And then find that we're completely on the money with whatever it is we've been thinking. And that's got to be connected to the amount of travel that I do, I think. Right. So it's kind of jumping out of your Com- your familiar environment. I'm not, I'm not even sure. No, I mean, I'm not even sure it's a comfort zone thing. It's 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 the opportunity provided by mindless travel, um, or maybe that's incorrect. I'm saying mindless. <laughs> the idea of mindless is <laughs> that's like, ironic. But it, no, so maybe I should say the uh, the space created by um, travel that is not 
activity focused, but has plenty of intention. Gotcha. So intention is to have a discovery and self-actualization and, you know, all that kind of jazz. But there's, I'm not going anywhere for a particular reason. So I might, you know, um, where I've gone, the most recent trip um, was in Sicily mm. and I didn't have an itinerary. Um, but we ended up doing stuff that was genuinely interesting and I ended up getting closer to my inner self. Um, but And we may go for a reason, but that may be one day or two days and the rest of it's just pretty. And so because I've travelled so much, I don't feel like I need to have a to-do list when I get to a city and I need mm. to see this or I need to do that or I need to eat here or drink that. I don't, so that kind of... I don't know, people say that, you know, I've done Tokyo or I've done, I don't do anything. I just go to, like, I've gone the same city 20 times and walk around or whatever. <laughs> yeah, gotcha. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, totally. I'm fascinated by the evolution of your mindset, you know, like, because you've been so successful with your business and with coffee. Like, I mean, I'm, I don't know much about it generally, so I'm not really speaking it, but from my naive perspective, and hopefully it's an it's it's an overall educated one somewhat because it'll be more impressive if I say the following statement as an educated <laughs> statement. But like I feel like you've pioneered what coffee is for Australia, like internationally as well. Like you've made coffee cool, you've made cafes cool, you flipped them, made them great, and and put all the elements that now is kind of standard as the the quintessential dope cafe in Australia and now it's getting exported around the world obviously too like we've I feel feel, um, very flattered and very I could be wrong no no, (laughs) I mean look you're absolutely correct no no, I do I'm humbled by what you're saying and and I do feel like we've I do feel like for sure what I've done is made so much fucking noise that um, we have we have made you know Melbourne part of coffee lexicon globally. I mean, if you're talking about coffee and you're in any city in the world and you don't mention Melbourne, you're kind of like missing the point, right? Mm. I'm not I'm not even game enough to say Melbourne's leading the race or, you know, or Melbourne has, you know, triggered the coffee renaissance, but certainly we've put a fair Melbourne as a city has put a fair bit of effort into you know, becoming uh, coffee centric, and we have a lot of good coffee guys, a lot of good coffee guys, and we were, and we were there really early. So yes, today that's manifesting in that we're poster boys for Tourism Australia or Tourism Victoria. In fact, this week, most of my so over the last three weeks, we were we were in five cities doing activations, and the next three weeks we're in three cities: so London, Morocco, and I think Zurich. And as part of you know, Team Australia, Team Melbourne, Team Sonali Coffee. So, and I guess um, we're good at we're good at coffee, but we're good at communicating how good we are at coffee. And what right. and what we've done is we've gone a little bit more in, and we've ingrained ourselves, I think, into the social fabric of Melbourne. So, in the same way that sort of the SP, I guess, belongs to Melbourne, um, and the Pellegrini's belongs to Melbourne. Sonali sort of belongs to Melbourne now. You know, it's mm. part of like it's almost like Flinders Street Station. You know, mm. it, it wouldn't matter. I don't know that if I was there anymore. You mm. know, um, mm. I like to think. I wish it did, but maybe mm. it doesn't. You know, so um, that's what we've done. And now what we're doing, and you may have noticed some of our apparel drops and some of the collabs we're doing, we've become a little bit more ingrained in a tribal sense so that's manifesting a number of ways whether it's products or some clothes or some you know sponsoring the melbourne art fair or being involved in alternate art fairs or whatever the case might be Mm. so really it's become more like a vehicle for me to pursue my interests and as i said i've carved out 
time for myself now that I do do that and often learn about a particular thing I knew nothing about through being involved somehow. So mm. it's a pretty exciting time to be around actually. Well, you've put so much effort into creating what you've created and now it feels like you're, you're in, a, in a new elevated state of playing with it that you've not really tapped into before. That's right. I mean, I've always been focused on, you know, making the business work and, you know, working out how to get great coffee from Origin to Melbourne to roast it well to get it into, you know. Now I now all those things are sort of working really, really well and we've got, in fact, we gave all the guys who've been working for us for over 10 years these patched Levi's jackets that um, with some, you know, handcraft patchwork. Um, and we gave away 23 jackets. We've got 23 people that have been working for us for 10 years. So I don't need to tell them how to do things. I mean, they, they, they know to do things better than me. I mean, our green bean buyer, Lucy, she's, you know, at origin nine months of the year. Um, and so I can focus on the stuff now that as an older guy who doesn't want to get into a four-seater plane very often mm-hmm. um, without taking a box of Ativan, um, <laughs> um, you know, I can do stuff I want to do. So. Yeah, amazing. What, a, what an exciting time. Thank you. How long is San Ali? When was it? When, when did it open its doors? So, in so 2005. So, it's almost, we're, we're heading on to next year, it'll be 15 years. Wow. Um, and I reckon for, I reckon it's been about a year that I've unwound from being involved operationally. It's been difficult. It's been hard. I mean, I had some triggers. One trigger was a joy one. My, I had a baby, a new one, and, <laughs> and one was a sad trigger. My mum died mm. and it gave me, you know, time to that, those two triggers sort of create forced time. And as the time was forced, I thought, well, this is all still pretty operating pretty well. So maybe I'll take that opportunity to sort of not come back operationally. And I slowly disappeared and I'd get these phone calls. I'd be like, are you coming in today? And I'd be like, no, no, not today, maybe tomorrow. And then eventually uh, people are like, I haven't seen you for ages, man. Are you around still? I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm around. You know, and then eventually a year went by and I'm uh, not really around. Um, <laughs> but no one noticed slowly. And that's what I've done now. And now, now it's, you know, been mandated. I'm now chairman for want of a better word. So, you know, I sit, I provide, I like to think of myself as an elder on a mountaintop with a spear looking over the crew and providing advice when they tap into it. <laughs> How fun. Yeah, that's good. How, tell me about that um, progress. Like, because so obviously your cha- your change and your mindset has gone from, particularly in the last year, is gone from putting a lot of hours on ground to not. That must have been, like I imagine, anxiety-inducing. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm an anxious guy. Um, well, less so now, but have been my whole life um, and, and a victim like many people are of anxiety, but probably in my mid-30s, up you know, from sort of 30, 35, very fucking anxious, like therapy anxious. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did a lot of work and um, I, I would probably describe myself as not anxious anymore, but certainly alert mm. and cautious. So, you know... Um, and the unwinding process, uh, you need to unlearn a lot of things. So um, I still find myself looking at my messages and emails, but I don't have any, but I'm still looking for them um, as an example of what I mean. Yeah. Um, and I'm still wake up in the morning and I think what's going to happen today. But, you know, so it is a learned process. And I reckon I've probably got another two years of learning how to properly unwind. Wow. And and so long as I fill that gap up with with, you know, thinking and creative stuff 
um, it's okay. But if I'm left alone and not doing much, I start getting a bit weird. Yeah, I uh, imagine. So it is. It's difficult, man. And like, I don't. I don't want to use the word retire because that's not what I want to do. But I just creating space to be creative. I think. Yeah. In fact, we've been discussing. This idea, tell me what you think. The working title is for this foundation that I've got is the Foundation for the Preservation of Fantastic Possibilities and Magical Thinking. Um, and <laughs> what's, the, what's the first word? The, uh, the Foundation for the Preservation. Preservation. Of Fantastic Possibilities and Magical Thinking. That's great. And everyone at work thinks I'm insane. But, the, I mean, all I'm really saying through that is, if someone's got an idea, well, let's look at it. It could be okay, you know, yeah. and let's explore that. Let's tease it out and let's – we've got a little bit of resource now. We're not trying to, you know, we're not strapped anymore. So – and we're all living the same way we did 10 years ago. So, we use those resources to do something slightly more interesting. How fun. Yeah, it's good fun, man. What's, what's the scope for that idea generator machine or that foundation? Um, well, you know, I, I kind of don't – I don't want to – put parameters around it. I mean, it's always going to end up being in art and culture a lot of because it's what I'm interested in. Um, but I don't want to put parameters around it because, I, you know, we've done things like spoken word poetry things at Sonali before that have all popped up out of their own, you know, I don't, I'm not involved in that pop-up. It just sort of happened and then all of a sudden we've got this sort of poetry tournament going on. Mm. So I kind of just want to encourage that. And for a, for a while there we had, and I, I think we still do, We've got sort of like jihadi cells of thought where people, you know, as long as they have a rough approximate, you know, idea what the goal is, they can kind of go off and do all kinds of things. Mm. And that's what we're encouraging. And hopefully if it all goes to plan, um, I'll have scenarios in cities that I want to travel to and getting involved in spaces and art, food and beverage, coffee focus, but are culturally relevant and mm. keep me interested. Mm. Well, that uh, while I'm... What I love about what you've done is created a, a subculture or culture or you've enhanced a culture or but just played with culture. Like in it, when you're in St. Ali, it has a particular feel about it. If It feels cool. Like, But in a cool in a way that it's not trying to be cool or someone's saying it's cool. No. Cool in a way that it's just inherently cool. Like someone that is cool would never say in the ever say I'm cool <laughs> like it's it's because it instantly renders them uncool <laughs> you know like insane Ali's kind of got that feeling I've always felt um it just oozes that and it's maybe it's the music it's the space it's the people that you hire it's the food it's the quality of the coffee it's just a combination of so many things thank you that you must like slowly refine over the years I guess or no I still I, I mean I still do that right so I still um and you know I guess you might say this is operational but I don't I don't think it's operational I think it's more kind of spiritual or something but I if I walk into Sanelli and I don't doesn't feel right um and it's just a feeling I'm like I don't know something's not feeling right I'm pretty mm. vocal about that. Right. And people run around tweaking things. And how do you pinpoint? Can you give us an example of what yeah, might so, not feel right? So, um, you know, big ones for me are light. The light needs to be right. So, on a day like today, I want all every everything open. Yeah. Um, and and that- Because it's sunny today. Because beautiful day. Yeah, sunny today yeah, and it pours yeah, in. Yeah. Um, if the playlist is off kilter or not fitting the, uh, you know, the hour of the day. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if we've the at the moment we've been very fortunate for a while, but the staff are working really well together. But sometimes you get a matrix where they don't work well together. Not because anyone's particularly bad or good or anything. It's just the vibe. The, their vibe is not right. Yeah, I mean it's a, like a, a, a the opera of dining. It's like a performance. You've got to kind of the, the the energy's got to match up, right? Mm -hmm. Like, and there's no other industry I think 
I'm thinking, let me think about that. But I don't think there's any other industry where for a long period, extended period of time, you're working with people and talking to people and meeting people, mm-hmm. you know, and on a, you know, on a busy day at Sally, we could do 2,000 people or something. And that's a lot of people, a lot of energies and a lot of baggage or happiness. And so, mm-hmm. you know, people, customers walk in and they're either a ray of sunshine or they're a bag of depression <laughs> and they bring that energy with them, you know. Mm-hmm. And so how that affects the um the the crew matters and also i guess what what we're fortunate for ha- being around for such a long time is we've got so many regulars oh yeah in the same chairs yeah. they sit in the same spots every day yeah and that's a nice vibe so if one of them's missing you know why are they missing <laughs> have they gone somewhere else yeah, are, they, are, are they ill yeah. i mean what's happened well yeah. what changed it so yeah. and, and staff notice those things yeah. you know yeah. so. If you go back to the origin of San Ali, like, can you? Because I, I wasn't here 15 years ago. But what was what was the scene like in terms of the coffee scene? What were what were you doing differently at the time? So, uh, you know, the whole I, I'm sort of I'm not sure if I'm embarrassed, but I'm kind of you know at odds to use this language because it has been used for a while. But the back in the day, it was the third wave movement. You know, that was the for want of a better word, the counterculture to the mainstream coffee providers. And the words we use now is specialty or speciality, however you pronounce that word. People tell me it's specialty, specialty, whatever, which has a more technical definition. So I've got to take you through this because when I, I, I was teaching coffee 25 years ago and if I went into a room and, I, and there was 10 people in the room and I said, where does coffee come from? No one no one would tell me it was a tr- it was a, it was a coffee cherry and it was a fruit and it was a tree and then maybe 15 years ago there might be one person who knew it was a coffee cherry and then now sort of everyone knows it's a, it's a fruit and it's a coffee cherry so um so what 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 was happening when we started was people would say they were I say what coffee do you like and they might say lavazza like well, no i mean that's not i don't mean what brand do you like what coffee do you like and what do you mean? Oh, well, you know, and then I might get, you know, long black cappuccino or whatever shot make. And I'm like, no, no, no. I mean, what 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 country does he coffee like you know, and and it was really drilling down. So, you know, and the the lexicon was standard in wine, you know. What do you drink? Well, I love Chablis, or you know, I'm really I'm a dirty Pinot man, or I'm a natural fermented orange wine. But when it came to coffee, people were like uh, name brands or maybe the coffee they drink, right? Mm. And so what we said was, well, that's not right. So we 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 said, let's take the that's because really we're just a custodians for the farmers' works, right? So let's let's explain the from from crop to cup, um, and let's celebrate the terra noir like the wine industry does. So you know, let's talk about Costa Ricans and Kenyans and coffee from Burundi, Honduras, Panama, Guatemala, and let's talk about the farms and and let's talk about whether it's washed or natural, whether it's carbonic maceration, um, how it's been treated, African dry beds or not. And let's talk about all those kind of things. Then once it gets to us, how do we cook? How do we cook it? How do we roast it? Is it a light roast, medium roast, dark roast? And then how do we celebrate it? What brew method do we use? And so I think, well, it's worked out about 11 years ago, 10 years ago, I was number one most pretentious things ever on BuzzFeed. I think I think the heading of the article was 24 most pretentious things ever and I was number one. <laughs> so and so look it up. Is it you and your name or San Ali? San Ali and a picture of me. Yeah. So, so And I think Sting was number two. So you have to look this up because at the time we were selling a cup of coffee from Hacienda Esmeralda in Panama for 50 bucks. It was a geisha varietal. Yeah. And people thought I was fucking insane. You know, I remember going on, Eddie McGuire called me onto his show and- um, 
And uh, he said, uh, you know, he was making fun of me selling coffee for, you know, 50 bucks. And, you know, I said to him whether he drank local sparkling or French. And he said French. And I said, well, you know, arrest my case, right? So um, it was a big deal back then. Now I think, uh, sadly, some of our work and the work of all the specialty coffee kids is a little bit lost because a lot of the language has been usurped by large corporates who um, might talk about a Kenyan varietal, but it doesn't really have the specialty grading. And this is what I meant by specialty. So we buy coffees that are 84, 85 plus, 83, 84, 85 and more, you know. So 90 plus is considered grand crew of coffee or something like that. So What's the percentage? What's that mean? So it's, it refers to a grading system. So okay. so. You know, commodity coffees in the low 70s, medium 70s, then it goes 83, 84, and then 90 plus of these coffees that, you know, go out to auction and can cool. cost. I mean, I've heard prices these days in the thousands per kilo, right? right. So, um, and, and that's the work that we did. And now when I interview, um, sometimes um, talk to younger kids and I ask them what specialty means, they have no idea. When I ask them what coffee they drink, they tell me they drink matcha tea, you know, um, or chai or something, whatever. And so I feel like now we're lucky because we're part of the, you know, we're part of the cultural fabric or we're part of the Melbourne psychic. So people just know we do good coffee. But I'm not even convinced I understand that we go to farms and spend, you know, months at a time there trying to find coffee. So I think they just think we're cool and we can make good coffee. Does it make sense? Mm-mm. So uh, I think that's the message we need to keep reminding people because we're not a brand. We mm. are a brand, but we were a, a, an authentic DNA coffee thing. Mm-mm-mm. And can you tell, tell us since that day, Dot, like how has your mindset evolved? Like, in some way, like because obviously, what you, you you're so a mainly not busy right now, but that's because you've made it your life, designed your life like that. But you do the things that you really enjoy, like your family and love and your children and and creative ventures. So, how's your pro? Like, what would you say your mindset has changed? Like, like how has it changed? Like, what's the evolution of cell? Yeah. So, I mean. And I know, I know this is a privilege, right? Having the privilege to not have to worry about making ends meet in a business sense is a privilege um, because when you're sort of hustling to make ends meet, it's kind of like it's still fun and it can still be fun, but it's a grind, right? Because it's like, you know, if, you, if you're running the quarters, you can't relax. you got to look for, you know, whatever's going on and, you know, whatever. And so I, I felt for a very long time in business that I was – you know, just having to hustle all the time to stay alive, you know. And um, and I, I'm not saying I didn't enjoy I enjoyed that, right? Like it was good. But then it is exhausting and it does it does have an effect and it does play up on your personality. You do get desensitized mm. to, you know, things. And so having that privilege to sit back and, um, you know, look at the overall – state of play from a helicopter view and just pick and choose the things I want to be involved in. It's just uh, it's just a beautiful thing <laughs> and I'm really grateful and happy. And what well, I guess the, the biggest evolution for me and I think this is one, the question you might be asking is um, I was pretty short-term focused, you know, um, partly through necessity, partly with the way my mind was programmed, but now it's all about the long play. And so if it's about the long play and you take the sort of, you know, Chinese dynasty view of a thousand years, you don't have to worry about, you know, a um, Zamato review that happens today. 
it's not what it's about. It's right. about where we're going, what our destination is and what we care about and we'll be fine. And so we're like quarantined now from that because, you know, once upon a time we might get a negative Zamata review and get really panicky about it. And now we think, well, okay, well, well, fuck them. They didn't like us and that's okay. They don't have to like us. Um, we think what we're doing is really good and we're going to be here for a while doing what we think is really good. And the other thing in that evolution, the long play, I, I – I'm never going to sell my business. I love it. Mm. And I'm hoping that I get to play in it forever and I'm hoping the crew that are around stick around and grow with it. And some of them have. Some of them being groomed for, you know, um, what's it called? Succession play or, you know, so when you yeah. hand over the ropes to someone else or oh, yeah. whatever that's called. Yeah. Um, and maybe my kids get involved. Who knows? Mm-hmm. And w- w- what are your personal like ventures in terms of like self-development and – like I guess over the years as well as much as right now, like what's relevant for you, like if it be meditation, going for a walk in the park, staring yeah. at your kid in the face. <laughs> so, so that's 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 a um, you know I I was hoping that I could name drop here and say that you know me and Johnny Pollard we're like really close and I've done his class, but I haven't done any of that. I've done meditation, but I've yeah. I haven't sort of. Um, I'm, I haven't been party to the you know uh, big name meditation dudes who have all seemed to have evolved um, recently, mm-hmm. um, but I do do meditation and my meditations um, it's quite focused on breath. Um, it's simple and it gets me in a spot where I can calm my heart rate down to you know low forties. Great. Um, uh, I exercise um, and I walk a lot. I, I live pretty much you know in walking distance to everything I go to. So I walk pretty much everywhere unless I'm driving out the St. Kilda. Um, and uh, that gives you an idea where I live. Yeah. Uh, and, um, yeah, I mean, that's it, man. I mean. What's what's your day-to-day look like? Like, what do you, do you have pretty consistent wake-up times? and Yeah, so we wake up early every morning. I mean, you know, I think people, old people always say this, you know, Oh, when you're old, you can't sleep in. I'm not old yet, but fuck, I can't sleep in. You know, like six o'clock and I'm up, man. Six thirty, I'm up. So, yeah. um, even if I go to bed at two o'clock, you know, I'm still up at six, sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But we got a baby, so she gets up anyway. So we get up early every day, and then we, you know, um, have this one hour of sort of family time, seeing the kids off to school. I do that, and then when they leave, I have a moment where I sort of take a deep breath and. Thank fuck for that. You know, that kind of one hour, you know, tra- traffic in the morning. Yeah. And and so Mondays and Fridays I go into the office and I spend five hours there and they're back-to-back meetings and where people need decisions. And then Tuesday, Wednesdays and Thursdays are free form. So when a friend of mine says, you know, do you want to come and do a podcast with me? I say, sure, no worries, man. <laughs> Had us 4.30 sound. <laughs> and here I am. <laughs> and then the weekends? Uh, weekends. I mean, apart from long walks and um, Joanne and I, you know, Jo, she's my beautiful wife. We we try and clock clock 20Ks a day, Saturday and Sunday walking. Right. Um, and so instead of it being an exercise, you know, in conscious exercise, it becomes, you know, exploring our city like tourists and, yeah. and clocking 20Ks. Right. And then, uh, and then it's pretty much, you know, the Netflix or the Stan or the, you know, and bottles of wine. Um, which I'm currently off for three weeks and desperately wanting to drink more again tonight. <laughs> how good is wine? Oh, oh my gosh. Yeah. It's funny how you go through these phases. I do them as well of like of like doing kind of wellness bursts then lots of alcohol and whatnot and then, and then you come back to wellness and I've kind of found I've done this 
it's like a it's like a bell curve. I've gone from extreme to extreme, and now I'm kind of like balancing out and doing a bit of both. Yeah, well, um, I think Kate Moss has got a brand called Wellness Bursts. No, I'm joking. She doesn't have a brand, but that makes sense. I mean, <laughs> it's sort of that life, isn't it? You, yeah. You know, I think I think I could name a whole bunch of people that we all know who go very hard and then have a little downtime and get the body back and go very hard again. Mm-hmm. And I think that's okay. I mean, I think I think that is the in its in a strange way balance, right? Mm. It's just not every day. It's, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's nice. It's nice to know that because I think it's like I think I went for a phase of just trying to be perfect with all the spiritual game. Like I think because I got obsessive compulsive about it, and I was just trying to optimize. Really? Like, <laughs> come on, man! I think you live with pigs for a while. <laughs> <laughs> that was highly evolved. Yeah, that was fucking the most insane thing I've seen anyone ever do ever. I still remember that interview. Actually, you know, one of the things I remember, and I, I read some of your um, words on anxiety, and they were oh, they were quite touching. What was that one? I, I don't remember, but occasionally I tap into your socials and, yeah. you, you, you know, you had three paragraphs or five paragraphs about yeah. anxiety. Do you remember the one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I, that was about six months ago when I was going for it heavy. Even like it's it's all a dance, isn't it? Like because everyone's way more self-aware and um, going for a process of self-actualization, which usually comes after trauma or like a significant event in your life, right? Correct. Um, is that what you found as well is like <sighs> – had a fair bit of it. I mean, I've had both. I mean, I'm an orphan now. Both my parents have passed. No, mm. that's kind of a shit feeling. But um, mm. you know, death is a big one. Birth is a big one. I've had four of those. So you know, every time a child's born is a big deal. And um, mm. being married twice. So you know, they're big deals. Um, so I've had lots of you know massive events. And every time there's one of those events, there's an opportunity to reconsider. And you're always re- and you know as you get. I don't want to talk about age too much, but as you get to a certain point, you're at the halfway line. Even if you manage to live to 100, you're at the halfway line. And, you know, when you start doing the numbers, can you really live to 100 and be really fit? Probably not. So you're probably at the three-quarter line. Then you start thinking, fuck, I've only got so many days left. I better make them all worth all, all count, right? Mm, mm, mm. And what, what, what brings you the most joy in the days? Like what are you, what are you trying to bubble out more of? Yeah, man, that's – um. That, that's the forever question, isn't it? I mean, um, I used to, in therapy, I used to talk about inner calm and my therapist would say to me, you know, if you want inner calm, you've got to stop cooking a fresh batch of guilt on a daily basis. <laughs> <laughs> I used to tell her to fuck herself regularly. So I don't do that anymore. Uh, I don't do that anymore. But in terms of, you know, and uh, as I guess probably um, – and this is, I mean, I'm nervous to use these words because it all sounds a bit cliche and stuff, but I kind of like, um, before I use the words, let me say, that for example, if I'm driving, no road rage, never happens. I mean, people can yell at me, scream at me, do all kinds of stuff. I experience nothing. Wow. Um, that has, and that that's really powerful, right? And so having learned how to control my reactions to things is really powerful. And But that also taught me that I need to be, as nice and as loving as I can be to people um, because that has an impact on them. And what, I, what I've learned about myself um, is that I leave massive footprints in people's lives, not intentionally. And so if I say something off the cuff and it's hurtful, people carry that, I, I find. And I'm sure that's the case for a lot of people, but um, I find with me. And if I say something really sweet, people carry that. And often, you know, I do that with some of the guys who work for me. And if I say something nice – they're happy for weeks, right? So mm. now I'm conscious that everything I say 
has to be with intentions and intentions of love and kindness. Mm, that's awesome, man. Yeah. How cool is that? And that that's what makes you really happy. And that giving. makes me happy, right? Because yeah. they're happy, I'm happy, and I'm yeah. calm. Yeah. You know what? Road rage. Road rage is a good metaphor for how people can live with life. Yeah. I, th- I think that's really interesting. I, th- I find a similar thing is like I get more joy out of um, giving people moments than I do out of finding moments for myself. Yeah. The- I- yeah. Yeah. I used to have this um, expression uh, and we used to say st- stolen moments, you know, the sort of moments where you couldn't have put it together anyway, like that you couldn't have made that moment happen. It just happened. Yeah. yeah. And then when that moment happens, you've got to steal it and re- really enjoy it and like solidify yeah. it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. They're yeah. the best moments, aren't they? Because when you try and curate the moments, you know, they don't really, that's just dumb. Yeah. 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 It's right. It's the spontaneity almost, yeah. isn't it? And it's like a. But, but the awareness to take advantage of the moment because a lot of people have beautiful moments, but they let the moments go by. Oh, so true. So yeah. true. They like look down at their phone or get distracted or don't indulge it. Like even if it's simple as just like looking at the one you love across the while drinking wine and just soaking in. Can you say that flavors. again and look at me when you say it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was thinking about my girlfriend. But- oh, okay. <laughs> well, I, I love you, man. And uh, I, feel, I feel love for, for this guy right here. <laughs> I feel love for you too, man. I do. It's it's but you, but they're, they're the moments. Like, oh, right, yeah. Call me on it. I will look you in the eyes as I say it. It's it's moments like this, but now we're contriving it. No. Yeah, now it's contrived. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, but yeah, it's like when you're when you're at dinner and you have a beautiful glass of wine and you sip it back and it's delicious and then you just just take in the atmosphere and then just look at you, the person that you love in the eyes and just enjoy <laughs> that moment for 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 like an extended period of time or like a. Um, it's it's really is something that you're seeing people like I'm really noticing it definitely in you like and I've noticed in any wise man really that I look up to is this this calmness in being it's like it's a steadiness it's like an assurity that things are okay it's it's a contentedness in themselves um, and boy I know how how troublesome or like how challenging it is to get to that state of consciousness or that state of mind, right? Because life is fucking hectic. <laughs> well, <laughs> it is indeed. And, uh, you know, and, uh, yeah. You know, I, you I, know, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I, we've got four kids in the house, man, or with a view on something. So, yeah. um, you know, it, it, it requires a level of, um, you know, calmness, uh, at the moment, for example, I'm sitting year 11 exams, um, you know, vicariously. <laughs> and, uh, um, and so, you know, that's, uh, that requires a, you know, uh, enormous patience and level, <laughs> and level of kindness to listen to every detail of every exam. Kindness, I think, is the really the big yeah. one. And like, again, I can't compare to you, but like, I've just had a, I've got a puppy and it, it can get bloody frustrating. Good looking puppy, by the way. Yeah, he's gorgeous, isn't he? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, um, he's, like he takes a lot of patience and kindness to him when he's doing like when he's pooing in the wrong place or whatever. Like to be kind to him, and I can't even imagine what that'd be like with children because it'd be way more demanded on your time. Well, they always tend to poo when you're about to leave the house. Right. Yeah, so just as you've changed the nappy, they poo again. It's perfect. How annoying! Like how annoying! <laughs> no, actually, she's they're all pretty good. All my kids are pretty good, man. I'm pretty happy. I think they're calm kids. We are. We travel. The little one's only uh, eleven months old, yeah. and we've probably had seven international trips with her, yeah. and so she's pretty cool. So, do you think it's the like the more the calmer you get is like the greater the challenge poking you your calm nerves or the the, the 
the better you are at being calm. Like if you like. Okay, so let me t- let me tell you some anxiety triggers for me, right? So, um, I was stuck in a lift when I was nineteen for three hours, and it was a small four person lift, and it was a very unpleasant experience for me. So, <laughs> so you shouldn't laugh. That's no, awful. it's no, it's funny now, but it wasn't funny then. So, small spaces have always been challenging for me if they can if I can be locked in them. So not small spaces per se, but small spaces that I can't open, right? Mm. So that locked in lifts things. There's been a couple of other incidences that are like that. <laughs> yeah. And um I remember a time when I was thirty five where I'd walk up thirty seven flights of stairs rather than get into a lift. Right. So you imagine I'm going to visit someone level thirty seven, I'd be like, I'll see you soon and I'll walk up there. <laughs> No, seriously. See you in ten minutes. Yeah, see you in ten minutes. But now, um, you know, I, I, I've, I'm, I've reached a level of calmness that even like happened to me recently. The lift stopped, and it, it felt jammed. I thought, oh god, here we go. But instead of being really nervous, I sat with the moment. Then, you know, a few seconds later, the lift started again, and it was all fine. That's that for me. As simple as that sounds, is massive, right? And so. Um, it's the acceptance of what is, I guess. The acceptance but, of what is, right? But it's at a at a real real triggering point. Yeah, and and the things that trigger some people um, don't trigger me at all. So mm. I don't know mm. if uh, there's a massive brawl on, or there's a. Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm not triggered. Yeah. I mean, I spent lots of times in places like Honduras where guns were very normal and all that kind. Of, then yeah. that stuff triggers me. Yeah. So, so interesting. And so you feel like what's your current challenge or like thing that's that, that you're finding difficult to overcome so i'm um focusing very much on you know i want to get as much value out of life to use an economic term um or you know, i want to make sure that i don't miss out on things that i want to do and so i'm trying to sort of um put enough scaffolding in place so all the people dependent on me are kind of not dependent on me so that i can you know sort of keep doing my thing because I can see myself um, my thing will be a little bit more selfish as the kids turn 18 Um, and I think I want that I really want that selfishness so that I can keep exploring Mm. because at the moment I you know have to carve out that time for myself so that's my challenge is um, you know providing enough scaffolding so that I have a sense of calm about living the people depend on me in a good spot so that I can get on with what I want to do. Because I'm doing what I want to do, but I still, you know, and, and the hin- being inhibited is also, it's, it's also beautiful because I love them. Mm. But it, um, I want to make sure that, you know, I'm leaving good humans behind that I can, yeah, do what I've got to do. I've got a couple of crazy ideas. Yeah, I bet you do. I was yeah. going to ask you about your ideas because you, you have so many. And they, and s- some of them like, what ones like fly out of all the ideas that, because you've got to let go of some ideas because sometimes- No, so, man, I'm never, like, I'm never going to, I'm never going, I don't think so anyway. I don't think I'm ever not going to be productive. It's very much part of my DNA. And and productive doesn't necessarily mean um, for an urn, but I need to produce and create things. Yeah, right? Like, yeah. that's my thing. I, I, I It doesn't feel, feel shit just having an idea yeah. and not making it happen. Yeah, yeah. right. So, so, in a sense- um, I'm most fulfilled when I'm doing things and making things and being creative. 
And so therefore, I'll probably still be involved in business forever as well, because I think business has been very kind to me. Not has it not only has it been very kind in a material sense, but it's opened up a whole bunch of random doors that I would have never been able to see behind. Mm. And I've learned lots from it. So I'm mm. going to do that kind of till forever, you know. Um, uh, and what was the question? <laughs> I can't even remember. I've gone blank. <laughs> I was actually thinking I'm really hungry. Oh, are you really? Yeah, we'll, we'll wrap up. Um, no, that's right. What's what's um what? How do you contend with having to drop some ideas and oh yeah, them right. Come so, to oh, so so that's a thing that you need to focus on too. I think, um, and maybe I'm speaking at school, but I think. I the sort of standard saying around my house is continual improvement, not perfection. Um, and it's it's yeah, you know, it's not mine. It's been said a million times. But the idea is, like, you can't do everything, right? Yeah, you just can't. You can't make everyone happy. There's only so much time, so you've just got to let go of the people and the ideas and the and the things that provide the less. Well, let's use the word gross domestic happiness if that's what you're going for. Like, yeah. and, and letting go of ideas, you just have to let go of them because you can't. And, you know, you, you know, Perga well. So we always talk about the one mm-hmm. thing, and he always mm-hmm. talks about doing the one thing. And I don't know, that's me because I'm not the one thing kind of guy, but it. Perga's a, like your coffee head. I lived coffee head, for yeah. years. And he's, of course, a smart guy. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and for me, it's probably more than one thing, but it isn't everything anymore. And so that's what I mean about traveling without that kind of itinerary. When I travel and if I go to Barcelona, I don't need to see every Gaudi building. Right. I don't, if I miss out on three Gaudi buildings, that's that's okay, right? Whereas 10 years ago, I'd be like, oh, my gosh, we, we didn't go. Oh, no, we missed that room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't have those feelings anymore. Yeah. So um, that's we, nice. That's a very spiritual philosophy in itself, I think, of, of, of being in the moment and seeing where it takes you. Like, because that's where all the preciousness is rather than ticking off lists. Yeah. Like, I mean, even the other night there was – um. You know, insert here. I won't tell you who, but someone famous at one of my venues singing, and uh, when they left, um, it was me, guys. <laughs> yeah, no, they. Someone said, "Do you want to meet someone?" So I said, "No, I don't really feel a need. I'm okay." Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, they were great, and yeah. say thank you, and yeah, that's good. Whereas yeah. maybe ten years ago, I would have wanted to meet them and taken a photo and talk yeah. to them and stuff. I don't, I don't feel that, and that's like enormous. That's awesome. Enormous pressure off your shoulders, man. Yeah, isn't it funny how we have it? It's, I think it's part of the fabric of our culture that. P- promotes this sense of like social ladder climbing or I don't know feeling good out of sycophanting of someone who knows what it is. Well, what what is <laughs> what is the thing that like makes you happiest in life? Like out of all of it. Oh wow, man! Uh... Is it a collection of everything? I I think being loved by my beautiful partner mm. um, and is a really special, special, special feeling. And I don't know that you can replicate that feeling. I mean, kids love you, but they also like happy to dump you and go on and do their own thing like um, we had with our parents. So if you can ha- – and, and they have a love which is, you know, blood connected, right? So when someone loves you unconditionally um, but they don't need to love you unconditionally, that's just really special. And I think I've got that, which is why I think I'm probably the happiest I've ever been. Yeah, and I, I've been with Joanne eleven years now, and I um, she always says um, I want to uh, fold her up and put her in my pocket because I want to take her everywhere, and it's true, you know. Like I don't ever want to not be with her, so I was going to take her here today actually, but then the baby wanted to sleep, and I said, "All right, I'll go on my own." But you know, so I did. So I'm here on my own, Jess. It's sad. Well, not that sad. It's good. <laughs> 
<laughs> man it's beautiful that's a beautiful beautiful thing thanks yeah. so much for sharing so openly and oh, freely pleasure yeah. and and you know i don't think i could have done it with anybody but you man man hang on <laughs> we just digressed. <laughs>